Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The Sitka Assembly has finalized the city's budget for the next fiscal year, bringing an end to the months-long budgeting cycle that began in January. When the group met last night, it unanimously approved a $37 million general fund budget with a surplus of around $380,000. That includes funding the Sitka School District to the cap, or the maximum allowable by state law, plus non-instructional funding to the tune of around $8.8 million. The Assembly also unanimously approved the city's enterprise fund budgets with utility rate increases across the board. Most of the rate hikes are set higher than usual to keep up with the highest rate of inflation in nearly four decades. Users will see a 4% electric rate increase, a 5% jump in water rates. Solid waste rates will rise by just over 7%, and wastewater and moorage rates will jump by about 8%. We'll have more coverage of the Sitka Assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. A Sitka organization is working with the Alaska Energy Authority to install a mostly federally funded electrical, electric vehicle charger in the community, but figuring out where to put it is a complicated problem. An electric vehicle advocate from Juneau recently offered his advice on the question. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. If you haven't realized it by now, Sitka is an electric vehicle town. In pure numbers, it's a national leader. If you were your own state, you would be beating California right now in terms of EV adoption. Heartily beating California as a state. That's Devin Kibbe, an electrical engineer and the founder of the Alaska Electric Vehicle Association, a nonprofit all volunteer advocacy organization for electric cars, trucks, and buses. Kibbe said that based on the latest data from the Division of Motor Vehicles, Sitka had 126 electric vehicles, 90% of them Nissan Leafs. That's 15 Nissan Leafs for every 1,000 people in Sitka. Elsewhere in the state, that number drops down to around two. But there isn't a single public charging station. Barb Bingham said the community had unique characteristics that made electric vehicles attractive for many residents, but not for all. I mean, I think we lead the nation because we're at, with 14 miles of, of highway, you know, we're in a unique position to have short range vehicles. So for commercial uh, businesses with light duty fleets, uh, apartment dwellers and uh, liveaboards in the harbor that would like to have electric vehicle and residents um, also um, who most of us trickle charge, I believe. And so it would be nice to be able to do a fast charge once in a while. Bingham was one of the co-hosts of a presentation organized by Transition Sitka on May 23rd to hear from Kibby about his work advocating for Juno's 19 public charging stations Kibby bought a Leaf in 2014 and said he was okay charging it at home overnight from a regular electrical outlet. But as Juno's population of electric vehicles grew, so did the need for public infrastructure. Sometimes my car doesn't get plugged in at night. I forget. And uh, I drive away in the morning and I go, oh no. And if I need it, I know that those chargers are there to go to if I need to get a few more miles to get back home that night. And then secondly, and the thing that we've been working more on in Juneau lately is people who don't have garages. So apartment dwellers, 
um, people in the downtown core of Juneau just don't have off-street parking and how to help them go EV. 80% of the cost of Sitka's first ever public charging station will be covered by the Alaska Energy Authority, which is passing through funding from the federal infrastructure bill to install public charging stations along every 50 miles of national highway in the state. That qualifies Sitka for exactly one charger. Now it's a matter of figuring out where to put it. The site must have access to power, obviously, and if it's on private property, it will require the cooperation of landowners. In Juneau, the Fred Meyer Grocery Store was the site of some of that community's first chargers. Sitka's Lakeside Grocery is a possible candidate, as are the post office parking lot, the RV lot at Sealing Cove, the grassy area beside the Japonsky Boathouse, the boat impound area at Thompson Harbor, and the former long-term parking area at the airport. What likely won't be needed, however, is any high-tech networking equipment or credit card readers. It can be said that the best value has proven to be charging cars for free. When people plug into these Level 2s for an hour, uh, the cost to charge for the electricity is you know, like a couple dollars at most. And we found in the beginning that the cost to charge someone a few dollars exceeded the cost of electricity itself. Kibbe answered questions from Sitkins about charging stations and other details surrounding electric vehicles. One EV owner said that he had a 2011 LEAF, the oldest in Sitka, and he feared the cost of replacing the battery pack would exceed the cost of the car, although he was still getting around 30 miles per charge. Kibbe said that although there were less expensive options out there for replacing battery packs, Electric vehicles were not immune from the same factors that affected the lifespan of gas-powered vehicles in Alaska. I think the cars like frame and other mechanical components are going to rust out before like the battery likely needs full replacement. Transition Sitka organizers conducted a brief straw poll among attendees at the presentation about their preferred location for Sitka's lone federally funded public charging station. There wasn't a clear consensus. Kibbe urged Sitkins to consider what they wanted to accomplish with the charging station. Is it going to charge personal light-duty vehicles or allow the electrification of some commercial fleet, he asked. What, in your mind, is the best use or low-hanging fruit of the electrification sector that could occur because of this station? Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. A new whale identification program uses artificial intelligence to identify humpbacks by their flukes. Through photographs shared by whale watchers, the Citizens Science Program Happy Whale has recorded thousands of whales that travel to and from Alaska. KFSK's Angela Denning reports from Petersburg. It's a special moment watching a gigantic humpback going for a deep dive. The whale's back arches, the tail swings up, disappearing below the surface, like the pointed toes of an Olympic diver. The tail fins, or flukes, are unique to each whale. The black and white pattern on the underside are precise identifiers. Like facial recognition, we can tell who it is. Ted Cheeseman is an expedition scientist who has studied whales all over the world, including in Antarctica. He created the program Happy Whale as a way to track humpbacks, a species that's known to travel thousands of miles. It's helping to answer a lot of questions about their individual behavior. You know, who does the whale hang out with? Does the whale have a calf? You know, what is the larger story here um, such that we can, you know, build family relationships and so on, tell more of the story of the individual. And to me, that's a, that's a huge part of this. 
The difference between this photo ID program and others in the past is the manpower needed. Happy Whale uses an automated computer program to ID the photos instead of people doing it by hand. Just one full-time and two part-time employees run the database and confirm the results. The program started in 2015, but took years to test and fine-tune. Now, whale watchers can share their fluke photos and locations to the online database, which has identified 68,000 humpbacks worldwide. The program started with 18,000 whale photos that had been previously ID'd by hand. Cheeseman says this is way more efficient. Somebody gives me a data set of 1,000 photos. It used to be that that would be an hour per, per photo. Um, the actual matching time is now insignificant. Someone gives me a thousand photos and I can tell them the next day, oh, well, oh, 700 of them are these known whales and these 300, those are probably new. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. The program has documented about 30,000 humpbacks in the North Pacific, which Cheeseman expects is about 70% of the population. Participants are rewarded for their work. They usually get an initial response within a few days to a week and get notices when their whale is spotted again. Dennis Rogers is a longtime whale watching guide in Petersburg and has uploaded over 5,500 photos to the program. It's very interesting just to see their migrations. Some of these whales go to Hawaii for the winter and they're recited there, which we get a notification when that reciting happens. Uh, some of our whales go to Mexico. Um, it's real interesting. Some of our whales go to Mexico one year and Hawaii the next year. Rogers encourages his clients to send in their photos as well. He says other tracking systems, including satellite tags, can fall off whales within days. This is purely uninvasive and gives um, a great amount of uh, information over time. Some of our whales we've been tracking for close to 40 years. The program has found some unusual migrations in Alaska's individual whales. They followed one from Alaska to Hawaii to Japan back to Alaska. Made the loop of the North Pacific. That's Scott Roberge, who is on the board for Petersburg's Marine Mammal Center. He also contributes photographs and enjoys getting the feedback. It's incredible to get that information and to get the email that says, oh, you know, the whale that you took a picture of last summer was just found in Hawaii and it just had a baby. Cheeseman believes that over 95% of humpbacks in southeast Alaska are in the database already. But that's just the start of Happy Whale, as the program is expanding. Cheeseman hopes to automate dorsal fin recognition within the year, which would allow them to identify and track orcas and other species a lot faster. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Just a reminder, we have a couple of ships in town with a combined capacity of over 7,000 passengers. And so Lincoln Street